Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together. If you come to bless the Lord and lift him up together today, church, he is worthy. Lord, we bless you in this place. Lord, we welcome you to have your way, God. like this is what freedom feels like but why don't I feel free this is what heaven sounds like you know in, the, in heaven is the very presence of God and when God came to earth Jesus his presence became with us so and if we're Christians just basic theology here Jesus is with us right now because he is in us and he's promised he will be with us. So around the throne in heaven, 
The angels are continuously worshiping God, continuously throwing crowns down, continuously praising Him, continuously worshiping Him, continuously honoring Him because He is there. And that same God, Jesus, because Jesus was the form of God, is here with us because we are here. And He said He would promise, He would promise to be with us when we gather together. So I know, I know everybody's not all up here all the time. So uh, just take a little moment just to bless God together. Before we go on with this, before we move on into this song, just take a moment to bless them together. Lord, we lift you and magnify you, Lord. Lord, help us, O oh God, realize that you are with us right now. Your very presence, O oh God, not just a thought of you, not just, just to say, oh, God's here. No, but you are really here with us, Lord, and we thank you for that. And now we honor your presence, O oh God, just by lifting you up together. We don't live on the feeling of that, but we live on the faith of that right now because you are God Almighty and your words are true and they're good to us. They are promises to us that we lift you and we magnify you in this place. Amen. Let's sing this. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. And this is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. And this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like, and this is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. Yeah. 
We bless you and praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
It's one of my favorites right there. Let's give this praise team a, a hand clap this morning. Good job, guys. I want to get right into the word. Um, we had a great celebration, Leslie and Sloan's wedding yesterday. Some of you were there. And uh, just a great day. I baked fresh bread for the communion for the couple. Thank y'all. I don't seek any glory. It's not about me, it's about them. Um, all that I know is if, if Scott Stone would do the moonwalk across the church like he did at that wedding, we'd break out into revival. I do know. That's one thing I do know. It was good. Great job, guys. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through 21 is where I want to go. And um, we've been doing a series on entitled Don't You Understand Yet? And I've been reading this every week, this passage, so it should be in your head and hopefully in your heart by now. And if it's not, i got one more week to go and maybe, maybe we can drive it home at that point. Mark chapter 8, 11, for you that are new, never heard it. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. He left them, got back into a boat, and went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. So good to see my dear precious Larry with us today and his wife Sharon. And he asked me if I brought the loaf with me. I told him me and my father-in-law have nearly wiped it out. There's about that much left. So that's why you don't have a loaf here today. They've got one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand? Don't you comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket full pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? How much do I have to do to get you to realize who I am? I'll give you a little icebreaker today. Mrs. Smith, can I just give you that? That thing's aggravating me. It's my OCD. I'm sorry. Mrs. Smith, Mr. Smith rather, suspects that his wife is, they're aging and he suspects that she is getting hard of hearing. So he decides he is going to do his own test on hers. His wife is in the kitchen. She's chopping vegetables in the kitchen, getting ready for supper that night. He stands about 10 feet behind her and he softly says, Honey, what's for dinner? There is no response, so he moves one step closer, 
a little more loudly. Honey, I asked, what's for dinner? She just keeps chopping her vegetables. So he decides he must step even closer to her. He raises his voice nearly to a shout and says, Honey, I asked what is for dinner. Hearing absolutely nothing, he says, I'll step one more time closer. She turns around as he's stepping and says, Dear, I have already said chicken and salad three times. <laughs> that even made me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's good. Our first sermon was Beware of the Leaven. The Leaven of the Pharisees being it was a legalistic emphasis on religious rules and regulations. We talked about churches. We talked about Christians that are like that. They almost get this holier-than-thou attitude about them. God said, Beware of those type churches. Beware of those type Christians. The leaven of Herod also, we talked about, it was the philosophy of worldliness. We discussed at length the dangers of the seeker-sensitive church and the seeker-sensitive Christian. I want to put a note here before I get into my sermon, and it is my desire to have what I'll call a middle-of-the-road church. Anybody know what a middle-of-the-road church is? That's where you're not way over here, you're not way over there, you're just right here. What I call it is the sweet spot. You go to one church, even a church of God, and and you find one is extremely legalistic. You can't even chew bubble gum in church or you're going to hell. Anybody ever been to that kind of church? I was raised in that kind of church. You couldn't chew gum in the house of God. That was disrespect. It was a sin and you must pay for your sins, hallelujah. Legalistic. When we preach man-made doctrines, push it down their throat. You've got to do this. You've got to do that in order to be good enough to go to heaven. You go to another church on the right over here, and they're extremely worldly. So I just want a middle-of-the-road church where we simply preach Jesus. We preach the truth in love and just live a good life. It is we love God, we love each other, and we treat everyone the way that we want to be treated. You keep it simple. You, there is no need in overcomplicating the church. There is no need in overcomplicating the word or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just lift up him and that's what matters. The second sermon we talked about eyes that cannot see. We dealt with spiritual blindness and how the enemy can deceive us and bring about blurry vision in our life, even in the lives of believers. Through our circumstances, he blurs our vision of God. Through issues that we have in our life, our vision is blurred. We call it life in general problems that we have. It's just life, and he'll blur it. He can cause us to not see clearly that God has a plan for our life and that God is working everything for our good. In our third sermon today, we are going to deal with this topic. Ears that cannot hear. So today we deal with spiritual deafness. Just as blindness is the inability to see, deafness is the inability to hear. When God created man, he gave us five senses. Some people have a sixth sense. They see dead people. But the five senses that God gave us he gave us those senses for a reason, and that is to actually use them. 
We have the five senses physically. We can taste. We can touch. We can smell. Thank God for that. Sometimes. We enjoy taste. We love eating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's why I go to weddings. I'm just kidding. Eating. We love eating. We love and, and think about touch. Man, what would we do without that sin? How comforting is it when you're going through a trial? Think about it. When, when you lose a loved one, you're in that line, and somebody comes, and the warm embrace of another person with caring arms and love, when they reach out, it just does something to you. God gave us that gift, not just to be an encouragement and a strength to one another. Taste, touch. We've got smell, and it's last week. we got sight. This week, we've got hearing. And we could talk about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we could go through each sense and, and I could spiritualize it and, and preach uh, another sermon on that. But the last two are especially strong spiritual and scriptural analogies. Jesus deals with these two spiritual senses throughout the entire Bible. So they must be pretty important for us to put them to good use, our sight and our hearing. When I was studying uh, just the other, just this past week, my mind automatically went to this scripture, and you may remember, and I'm just going to quote it and paraphrase because I don't have time to read all of this today. But in the book of Zechariah, the prophet, Zechariah is preaching to the people. He is simply giving them a warning. It doesn't sound like too harsh of a sermon. A matter of fact, Zechariah 7, 8 through 11 is where it is. And the Bible said this message came to Zechariah from the Lord. Now that is an important note. It was not something that he had made up. It was not a sermon that he got together and said, man, I'm going to preach this because it sounds good. This is a word from the Lord. And the Lord came and gave him this message. He said to the people, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fairly. Show mercy and kindness to one another. Sound too hard yet for you? Do not oppress those widows. They're important to the church and the people of God. Do not oppress orphans. Watch out for foreigners. Yes, even foreigners. He says, do not oppress the poor. Too hard of a sermon yet? Not that bad, right? And do not scheme against each other. That is basic stuff. He is simply telling them, love one another. That's all. It doesn't seem like that's a hard sermon to take in. That's just good advice, right? But verse 11, he said, let me tell you what your ancestors did when they heard this exact sermon. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing the message. What a bunch of babies. Can you imagine that? You're Listen, I've had people pop in the little things to mute their ears and, and, and that's fine. Just as long as you can still hear me, some people have sense of hearing. I don't care. But if you start doing this number right here, I'm having an issue with you. I'm preaching you. That is exactly what the Bible said. They're preaching the message. And the Bible said they're putting their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing just like a little baby, like a child. We talked about this last week. We talked a little bit about the last days. And we, I may have referenced back to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. For a time is coming in the last days when people will no longer listen. They will no longer listen to sound 
and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will do what they want to do. And they will go out and look for teachers or preachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4, they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. Are we there yet? And I am not talking about the movie. And I am not talking, are we there yet, as a place of destination. But I am talking about in a spiritual sense. Are we not where the Apostle Paul told Timothy about many, many years ago? We are there, folks. If people don't like what a preacher preaches, if it sets with them wrong, they will get up, they will walk out, and they will seek out another teacher or preacher that will tell them exactly what their ears want to hear. Now, you wouldn't expect church folks to act like that, now would you? If you are a true born-again believer that is serious about serving Jesus, you will say, preach the truth, preacher, until it hurts. Preach and step on my toes. Preach me under conviction because I want to actually grow in Jesus Christ. I want to look more like Jesus. Preach and give me the meat. I don't want the milk. I want something of sustenance. I want some meat that will give me strength and help me to grow in my Christian journey. But there's a group of people. Listen, why, why, why don't people, I mean, why does God say it's so important that we watch out for this in the last days? Because it is not fairy tales that set people free. It is not myths that set people free. Oh my gosh. Those only allow you to live how you want to live. Those allow you, as Paul told Timothy, to follow your own desires. When you hear what you want to hear, you do what you want to do. Fairy tales will not set you free. But I'll tell you what sets men free. It is the truth. Hallelujah to God. Jesus said, John 8, to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Watch this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Shame to every preacher today. Shame to every teacher that strategically and carefully writes out sermons that won't offend their listeners. Shame on the preachers that only preach sermons so their church will grow. Oh, you may be growing your church numerically, but you cannot grow a church spiritually until you start actually preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, was, reading, I was reading the story yesterday, and I don't have time to preach it, but I was reading about the parable of the sower. Everybody heard the word, right? Everyone responded differently. There were some that got choked out by the cares of the world, this and that and the other. But the one that got in that fertile soil 
And see, that's what the Word does for us. That is what a true Bible-believing church will do for you. It will give you good soil. And then when that seed is scattered, you bring forth 30-fold and some 60-fold and some 100-fold. We don't need a bunch of shallow Christians running around in a world on the way to hell in a hash basket. What we need is a church full of truth seekers that are walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. That is what the church needs. And I'm not finished yet. Shame to every church member that gets their feelings hurt at one church and jumps to the next church. And then they go to the next church. And then they go to the next church until they find a preacher that makes them comfortable. Shame on you. Paul got it right many, many years ago with his letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Starting out in the gospel, never pastored a church. Paul puts him over this church. Did Paul tell Timothy, now Timothy, I want you to go in there. Give him a growth conference spiel and say, I want you to go in there and I want you to cater to the people. I want you to go in there and develop some sermons that, that will get more people in the doors. We got some bills to pay. No, a hundred times no. Do you want to know what the apostle Paul said? Your job is to preach the word of God. Be prepared. Watch this. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. You preach the word whether it benefits your church or not. And when I say it that way, I am not speaking of a spiritual benefit, but I'm saying that if there are those that are going to be stragglers that are going to fall by the wayside because you preach the truth, listen, whether it's favorable or not, whether you lose money or not, don't you base it off of that. Timothy, your job is to preach the word. Watch this. You patiently correct. you got to work with people. Timothy, don't beat them over the head. Don't have the leaven of the Pharisees and try to make them live up to the law, which you and I both know is impossible to live up to. Rebuke them, he said. Woo. Like God rebukes me. Like God rebukes those who he loves. You have to be like mama, who used to take me on the front porch of our little holiness church and wear my rear end out and tell me to straighten up because church is a serious business and you better get some respect in the house of God or we're coming back out here. And encourage your people with good teaching. Good doctrine. Are y'all ready for this? Encourage them. See, people thought, well, we can't preach the truth. That's too hard on people. You encourage them. Because when you preach the truth, let me tell you some of the truths of God's word. He said, while you're preaching to them, Timothy, you tell them, greater is he that is in you than he that is in all of this world. You tell them, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall never walk. He's going to always provide for you. You tell them with God all things are possible. You encourage them with the truth. But the moment you step outside of thus saith the Lord, 
Lord and start preaching fairy tales. You have missed the point of your calling, which is to preach the word. Preaching the word is not contingent upon whether your listeners choose to listen to your message or not. You still, your job is to preach the word. So in short, it is up to the listener, the hearer, to decide whether they will actually listen or not. Come on, somebody. There's some of you I'm going to preach today, you are going to take it in. Boy, you're going to absorb it. You're going to do something with it. There's others right now you might be like, I'm not going to hear that. That's not what I came to hear today. Come on, somebody. In your Bible, i got to hurry. In your Bible, you could flip to the book of Revelation. You would find that the first three chapters of that book deal with the seven churches of Asia, minor. God gives different instructions to every church. It is distinct. It is a word from the Lord for their local church. To give an example, to Ephesus, and I can't preach this, but I want to. To Ephesus, he said, your problem is the month of February, right? You have left your first love. You used to love me more than anything. I used to be number one in your life. Now I'm on a back burner. To Smyrna, you have suffered. You are about to suffer more. Who wants to hear that message? You have suffered, but you are about to suffer more. A matter of fact, some of you are even going to be put to death. But to those who are faithful, I want you to know you're going to be rewarded with the crown of life which God's going to give you. Pergamus! To Pergamus, he says, you have been allowing false teachings to infiltrate your church. You've done nothing about it. Shame on you. The Thyatira, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. You have been catering to your sexual and lustful desires. And on that day, I'm going to cast you into a bed of adultery. To Sardis, you have a name that you are alive. The truth of the matter is you are really dead. To Philadelphia, the church that I want to be a part of, you have persevered. You have been faithful. Thank God he don't say nothing about trouble coming. He don't say nothing about dying for him. He said, I just want you to know you're going to get the victor's crown. Sign me up for Philadelphia. And then the last church, which is Laodicea. You are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. And I will vomit you out of my mouth. Your inconsistency, your nonchalant, I don't care, attitude concerning the things of God makes me sick. Seven different churches with seven very distinct messages from the Lord. However, there is one thing that God told John. He said, I want you to make absolutely clear to every one of the churches, all seven of them. Go, go, go to your next verse. Revelation 3, 6. Here we go. You put this at the end of every one of your letters and you tell them, let anyone who has ears to hear Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There is one thing that is clear. How many of you have ears today? Just in case you don't know, you could fill up there. The point God is trying to make to us is that all of us have ears. 
So those ears were given to us so we could hear. But not only to hear, there's a word in there called listen. Hold up for a minute so you can hear it. But not actually listen. And that's not fruitful for anybody. I got a dog. I don't know if that little Yorkie's getting hard of hearing or not. She's about 11 years and three months now. I called that dog's name, Harry. Zoe, come back. Zoe, Zoe, hey, hey, Zoe. She just keeps on walking the other way. So I say, treat, treat, and pooh. There's a word that we use that is called selective hearing. Do you understand? Some of you guys out there are professionals at this. Watch out. You're, I'll tell your wife. As the little comic strip goes, I will paint the picture for you because I can't put it on the screen. Mom and dad walk into the living room to find their kids are playing games. The little boy is on the computer while the little girl has her little phone out browsing through it, probably on TikTok. Mom says rather loudly, kids, I have asked you to clean your room seven times now. The father gives his two cents worth with the casual, children, listen to your mother. The father turns and whispers to mom, Psst, don't tell the kids, but would you like to split a chocolate bar? Immediately the boy turns and says, what? Immediately the little girl drops her phone and says, what? What did you say? We call that selective Hearing. In other words, you hear what you want to hear and you tune out the rest. However, selective hearing is actually, I'm going to be scientific, it is a normal brain function that allows a person to listen to and understand one speaker while tuning out other voices. God, this is spiritual and other background noises. For example, this is why you can be at a concert and it is so loud and you can talk to somebody and they can hear you and you can talk to one another because selective hearing kicks in and you listen and zoom in on the one speaker while ignoring everything around you. It is why you can go to a busy restaurant and there could be a group laughing, laughing, laughing. At first it's getting on your nerves, but when you focus on the conversation at hand, you don't even seem to hear them anymore. This process helps us prioritize and focus on meaningful sounds while ignoring distracting or irrelevant noises. I want to say that one more time. I'm going to say it slow. This process helps us to prioritize and focus on meaningful sounds or voices while ignoring, distracting, or irrelevant things that don't even matter, noises. I'm going to bring this home. Again, from last week, Satan's job is to deceive us. It is the devil's job to bring distractions into your life. Just stay with me here. It is the devil's job to make everything seem so noisy in your life. We need some spiritual selective hearing so we can focus on the right voice. Jesus declared long ago, just wait here, my sheep hear my voice. He said, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. Are you still with me? 
He went on and said, They will by no means follow a stranger. They will flee or run from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We should run from the other voices. We should run from the strange noisiness around us. Yes, that includes the voice of the devil. The voice of the, I wish to God it was a perfect world. I wish to God we were perfect Christians. Do I have any in the house today? But sometimes I am so weak. And I allow strange voices to get into my ears. I am so weak and I allow these strange voices that declare things that I know my shepherd, oh God, would never ever say to me. Things that my great shepherd would never tell me. It is voices that say, you aren't good enough. It is voices that are saying, you don't deserve to be happy. It is the voices that say you are unworthy of anything good in your life. It is voices that say you are a failure and you are a fraud. Why in the world would my ears listen to that? Why would I ever allow a strange voice to cause me to hear that type of talk? We need some selective, spiritual selective hearing so that we can focus on the right voice. Because my shepherd doesn't say that about me. My shepherd says I am loved. My shepherd says I am good enough. I am more than capable. I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. I am his. He is mine, and that is enough. Can you give God praise in the house? I gotta... All right. I got five more minutes. Be careful. I'm closing. Be careful to who you listen to. Last week I had two closings. This week I just got one. One. The story I'm about to read quickly to you, and I'm going to... Preach if I threw it because I can't help but do it. It is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I don't care what day of the week it is. I don't care how I'm feeling, happy, sad. It doesn't matter. Something in these verses always, they grab me. Anybody got any verses like that? It just gets me every time. This is mine. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And Chevy, I'll tell you when to go to the next one. I'll call it by name. Verse 22. Immediately after this, after what? If you read your Bible, it's after the feeding of the 5,000 men. Same thing as our text is, just a different gospel. 25,000 people have been fed. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side. I just want to tell somebody that God's going to get you to the other side. Can I just throw that in there? Of the lake. While he sent his people home, verse 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. This is a unique verse to me. Night fell while he was there alone. Hold it. Night fell. And the second part that gets me is he was all alone. Oftentimes our prayers will invite the darkness to fall on us. Especially when we already feel like we're all alone. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. God never said the journey was going to always be easy, saints of God. You are going to face storms. Can you say amen if you've been there? 
Verse 25. About 3 o'clock in the morning. Note the time. It's 3 o'clock. That's 3 a.m. Jesus came toward them walking on the water in their defense. I'm going to play devil's advocate, all right? It is 3 o'clock in the morning, and now someone is walking on the water, and that is impossible for any man to do. Everybody with me? So before you get too spiritual, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. There is a man walking on top of the water, not the bathtub, in the middle of a raging ocean. It must be a ghost. Next verse. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Again, a man can't walk on the water in their fear. All their faith is gone by this point. All they've got left is fear. You ever been there when faith drained out of you and fear overtook you? That's all they've got. They cried out, it's a ghost. Their eyes were blurry. Their eyes could see, but they, their eyes really couldn't see. Satan had deceived them and made them believe in their fear that a ghost was about to overtake them and a ghost was about to overtake their ship. Verse 27. Somebody say, but. My, I love that word. But. With one T. But. Jesus spoke to them at once. I just want you to know Jesus spoke. His voice. Something that they could hear. He spoke to them, don't be afraid, he said. You take courage for I am here. Isn't it good to know that when you are in the storm and the waves are just about to capsize your ship and all of a sudden you realize in that moment, Jesus is here. Amen. 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 That, that, I, I, mm, I feel like preaching now, but I got to quit. I'm, I'm going on. Jesus is here. Well, for us Christian folks, that should be enough, right? Verse 28. But see, they missed it. They missed it, folks. They didn't see it because they're spiritually blind. They did not hear it because they are spiritually deaf. Everybody's still with me. Verse 28. But then Peter called to him, Lord, I want you to note these next four words because this is full of, of, of doubt. He says, if... It's really you. God had, Jesus had already said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And now Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. The distractions were too much for Peter and the disciples. They, they missed it. They couldn't hear it the first time. The noise of the wind, the noise of the crashing waves, all of these distractions was, was just too much for Peter and the disciples to hear it the first time. Jesus had said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. But apparently, they had a, a, a case of selective hearing. And all they heard was all the strange noises around them. On top of that, can you only imagine the voice of the enemy in their head right now? Verse 29. Yes, come, Jesus said. And this time Peter heard it and he knew it was the voice of Jesus. That's him. 
Sometimes we're human and we miss it. There are times that God has spoken to me and I missed it. And I went home and I cried. I said, God, why did I not obey? Why did I not do that? What's wrong with me? Sometimes we miss it. But thank God that he doesn't leave us and he says, I'm going to talk to him again. I'm going to give him another chance to know that it's me and I'm here. Yes, come, he tells him. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Why? The impossible became possible. Can y'all even imagine this? Isn't this amazing? Now I don't have one man walking on the water, which is impossible. Now I've got two. They might be like, like Scott. They may be moonwalking on it. I don't know what's going on in there. All that I know is they're on top of everything that is trying to get on top of them. And I'm here to tell somebody that is exactly what Jesus is going to do for you. When you have faith and say, I know my shepherd's here. I hear his voice. He's already told me to hold on. You're going to keep walking on top of your problems. And when all this noise around you comes, you're going to say, no, 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 no. I'm not listening to that. I've got selective hearing. I hear the voice of my shepherd. He's calling me to walk. Go on top of this mess. Woo! Verse 30. I'm about done because I really am about done. But, y'all heard that on Facebook. You ought to say it right here on your couch. But, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, those distractions, those circumstances in your eyes, can't see a way out. He was terrified. His faith degraded again to fear, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I told you I was there, and there was no need for you to be afraid, Peter. Verse 32, they climbed back into the boat. The wind stopped. The disciples worship him. You really are the Son of God. Come on to the music. My closing thoughts today are very, very simple. Somebody needs to hear his voice above all the other distractions and noises the enemy has brought into your life. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know how I'm going to make it through the mess I'm dealing with, let me hear your word. When I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to the other side of this thing, let me hear your voice speaking to me. Because when I hear your word, when I hear your voice, all of a sudden, your word is a lamp that guides my feet. In other words, when I hear your voice, I know everything's going to be all right. And you tell me, just keep going this way. But Lord, there's winds, there's waves, there's a lot of noises. Do you know what the devil's been telling me? And he speaks yet again, child, just keep on coming. Just keep... 
I'm telling somebody today, the devil is a lie. You have listened to him long enough. It is time to take notice and say, I hear the voice of someone else. You've got to get rid of those strange voices in your head. You've got to turn away. I can ignore what life is saying. I can ignore what the devil is saying. And I can focus on what you, Jesus, are saying over my life. We have ears to hear. Now let us hear what the Lord is saying to us. We have ears to hear. Now let the church hear what God is saying to the churches. Grab it. Let's stand. Oh, Father, I praise you today. These altars are always open today. Open my ears, Jesus. There's some of you in here Jesus is wanting to talk to. He wants you to hear his voice. There's some of you, you're going through life right now and you're wondering and you're trying to find your path and you're trying to find your way. God wanted me to tell you, if you could just hear his word, it is the light that is going to guide your path. But it's up to you to make a choice and a decision today that all these other voices and stuff, you are about to get selective hearing and you are tuning it out and you're going to focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. When you do that, the rest is history, baby. There's no demon that can come against you and win. Sing it. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. That needs to be fixed. In the darkest night, you were close like no other. I've known you as a friend. I've known you as a friend. Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God.
somebody give him praise in the house today. Amen. We have Gap Widows meeting this coming Tuesday, February 20th at noon. Sharon Anderson will be the guest speaker. The lunch menu will be pizza, salad, and desserts. Thank you, Jesus. Attention to all men. Saturday, March 9th, barbecue and cornhole tournament. If I'm there, be prepared to lose. Who's my partner? Byron, you back there, buddy? You better get to practicing up. I hate losing. March 9th, 5 p.m., there's a sign-up sheet as you walk out on your right-hand side. There's three pages on there. The first two are for sign-up attendance. On the third page, it's actually a few items that uh, David Barnhart's doing this. David, lift your hand right here. He's right there. That's our children's pastors, uh, Ann and David. He's taking care of this for us. And on that third page, there's a few items that he's listed there that we could use help with. So just sign your name on those so we can kind of know how much we're going to need to get. Everyone, please bring your favorite drink as well. All right? God's good, isn't he? On a few prayer notes before we close that you can be praying for this week, for continued prayers for Brenda Hooper, that all will be well with her. Ada Eads, for Carol Pace. Mildred Burrell, continue prayers, and also continue prayers for little Adley Jane. I talked to, the, uh, to um, Seth and Carrie last night, and she's doing great. So we praise God for that. For too long, soon as, yes, as soon as her time's over with um, the, the wait period and healing time, she'll be right back with us on Sunday morning before too long. So we look forward to that day. God bless you all. We appreciate you for being here. Have a great week.